Hey gorgeous, if you want success on your fertility journey, you've got to have the mindset for it. It's time to kick fear, negativity, doubt, shame, jealousy, and the whole clown car of low vibe fertility journey BS to the curb. I'm your host, Roseanne Austin, fertility mindset master, former prosecutor and recovering type A control freak perfectionist. I use the power of mindset to get pregnant naturally and have my baby boy at 43, despite years of fertility treatment failure. I help women across the globe beat the odds on their fertility journey just like I did. Get ready for a quick hit of confidence, joy, feminine badassery, and loads of hell yes for your fertility journey. It's time to get fearless, baby, fearlessly fertile. Let's do this. Welcome to the Fearlessly Fertile Podcast, episode 131. From hostage to fear, to getting and staying pregnant, finally. My loves, I am so freaking excited to be here with you this week, bringing you another story of inspiration and triumph from one of my Fearlessly Fertile Method ladies. Oh man, I think you're going to love Teresa's story, her experience that she wants to share, and, and how she truly pulled herself out of what could have been a giant opportunity to just give up on her dream of being a mom. And I got to tell you, I mean, I brag on my ladies all the time. And part of the reason why I do that is because they are actually pretty fucking awesome. But also with, with so much fear in the world and, and so many temptations to give up on this journey, I like to keep real fighters front and center for you. Because I come from the perspective that this desire in your heart to be a mom, it's there because it was meant for you. You're not doing this because it's a side hustle or you just got a wild hair one day to just decide that you want to be a mom. And, you know, frankly, even if you kind of did that, like, who the fuck cares? If you have it in your heart, it is true for you. It is therefore meant for you. And what I love about Teresa's unique experience on this journey and what she's going to share is, look, this one, and I love how she says that she's going to tell you that she met later in life, you know, she met the love of her life later in life. But that, you know, not only did she have the challenge of quote unquote advanced maternal age, don't you just love that term, but this brave woman overcame repeated miscarriage for fibroids, endometriosis, and she was doing all the things, but nothing was working. So on her journey, she was able to take a step back and think about what was it that was holding her back. And that is what brought her to me. So I really hope that you can learn from and really get engaged in Teresa's story because story is how we learn best. And through other people's stories, we can be inspired to create an entirely new one of our own. Here's my conversation with the amazing and brave Teresa. Oh my goodness, there's a baby in there. Yes, ma'am. You didn't just have a super large burrito or something like that. That's not a burrito, baby. Not a burrito, baby. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're going to just jump right in, sister. I'm like, okay, so I have to ask what I always like always love to ask. Can you believe we're having this conversation? You know, there's a part of me that I can believe it. The greater part cannot because it took so long to freaking get here. But, but the, but this, this, the smaller, more confident part of me was like, 
Hell yes, we're having this conversation. Oh my goodness. Well, why don't you start us off, Doll, by sharing a little bit about how you even found yourself on this journey? Okay. So, okay. So my husband and I met and we got married a little on the later side. I was 36. He was almost 38. And we waited six months to start trying to have a family. And it did not go well. We continued to try for about two years before my obstetrician gynecologist was like, you know, go see this fertility doctor and just see what, what might be going on. And it turned out I had some, you know, I had a fibroid. I had endometriosis. We did surgery. We got rid of all that. And I got pregnant right away. And once we were cleared, I got pregnant right away. And I miscarried at 10 weeks. And then a handful of months later, I got pregnant again and miscarried just about right away. And then almost a year later, we got pregnant again and I lost that one at five weeks. And then I had a fourth miscarriage at eight weeks. Yeah. So I, I lost them all and was freaking out. And pretty much, I guess a year after that was when I found your book. Am I the reason I'm not getting pregnant? That one. And I read it and so much of it made sense, but particularly the saboteurs was really what, because the whole time, Roseanne, like I'm doing acupuncture, I'm going to yoga. I am a yoga therapist. So I'm trying to like mobilize all of my own resources. I'm going to psychotherapy, changing my diet. I'm vaginal steaming. I'm doing Arvigo therapy. I am an Arvigo practitioner. Like (laughs) I'm doing all the things yet nothing was working. And the whole time, like to say that in the background, I was consistently hijacked by fears is an understatement. Like general background noise of, and not even fear of like that we're not going to have a baby. It wasn't even that. It was fears of motherhood and what was required of me. Like I made being a mom out to be this like massive undertaking that I just believed I wasn't equipped for. And so, yeah, that's how, that's how I got to you. You you know, I, I love the humility and awesomeness that you come to this with because you are demonstrating, and I say this with love, you are demonstrating why DIY can only take you so far. Absolutely. Like, you know, the, the, I love you're like, I'm a yoga, you know, therapist. I do our Vigo. I know all this shit and it's still not working. And, and I think what's interesting about that, I mean, that's the same thing when people would ask me if I would represent myself if I was still a lawyer. No, no, because you cannot see your own block. Blind spots, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to create from a mindset that has you stuck in fear. This is why we have thousands of books, you know, in our collections with an inch of dust on them, right? And it's like, yeah, you can read something, 
but there's more, yeah. right? So, so let's talk about that for you, because at this point, you've had four miscarriages. So for you at this point, getting pregnant isn't the issue. It's staying pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so for you, seeing that positive pregnancy test, it might not have been like instant joy. No, it was joy at first for about 24 hours, followed by terror, dread. Just, I can't do this. Yeah, I'm not strong enough. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm not, you know, just all these, I'm not capable. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not healed enough yet, you know, from, my, from the traumas of my past. I'm going to jack up my kid. I'm going to, like, pass on the disease of addiction that runs in my family. I'm gonna, I mean, all of this stuff. And then baby would be gone. Wow. Wow. So talk to us about, because for somebody like you who is deeply in tune, very smart, well-spoken. You know, you don't move through the world like somebody who's asleep. Because of what you do and because of the way that you live your life, you're pretty awake. What is it that made you say, hey, I need help with this other piece? Because that's a huge leap, especially for people that are already kind of awake. You could have easily said to yourself, oh, I don't need all that. I remember being, so my husband and I had, had talked about third-party reproduction. And when you, when you undergo that process, donor egg, donor embryo, donor sperm, you know, whatever, you have to have this like psychological evaluation. So we went into this therapy session and I had said to the, to the doctor, I was like, you know, I have a feeling that I have solved for all of these things. But what happens between my left and right ear, I cannot seem to shake it. And that is this fear that I have about being a mom and how a child is going to negatively impact my marriage, something I'm, I'm hugely proud of, how healthy my marriage is. And, and just... The sex talk, the drug talk, driver's ed, college stuff, like all this stuff was so mind-blowingly frightening to me. And she wouldn't co-sign it. She was like, and, and I had said to her that I was concerned that my anxiety and the amount of stress hormones I had dumped into my system just a day after getting a positive pregnancy test, you know, negatively impacted the pregnancy. She would not get behind it. And so, and that was the fertility counselor that we saw for third-party reproduction. When I had my, and then I got a new therapist for my personal self. My mom, long story short, my mom moved like 15 minutes away and I needed help. So I, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, no more geographical cure, right? No, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I got a new therapist to help me out with that. And we got on the topic of my fertility journey and she wouldn't get behind it either when I told her. And I was like, look, I'm a yoga therapist. I am so aware of the mind body connection. I know this has something to do with it. And she just wouldn't get behind it. And then we went on a ski vacation. And while we were in the airport, I was just 
scrolling through Facebook and I saw your book come up. And so I, I went through the, you know, the click here, click here, click here. And I downloaded the book and I started reading it on the trip. I had it almost done by the time we came home. <laughs> we were there for like 10 days and, and I, fin- I pretty much finished the book. And uh, it was the Sabbath. It was the saboteurs section. I'm telling you, it was, I was like, finally, like, not that I'm blaming myself. I don't blame myself, but I know that like, this is a critical piece. I know it is. And you were the first, like your book was the, the first kind of like relief that I had around that, that somebody like got that. Wow. Wow. Well, and, and you're also demonstrating because it's one thing to be aware, you know, because you clearly knew at a soul level something was not right. Mm-hmm. And so you took the extra step. Okay, I'm going to read this, this book. But you didn't just stop at the book. You said, all right, I need more of this. And I think that that's a very interesting thing to pinpoint because a lot of women can get stuck. Okay, I've read 50 books. I learned all this. I'm good. You know, what was the impetus in you that said, I'm not just going to read this thing once and not do something about it? I want more. What do you think that was for you? So I could tell you exactly what that was, was that having worked a couple of 12-step programs, I know I can't do this by myself. This is not a me thing. This is a we thing. And, you know, when I had listened to enough of your podcasts and I was like jazzed enough and, I don't know, bold enough, like I, cause you know, I'm, I'm a little on the timid side, but like bold enough to, to reach out for coaching. I talked to my husband about it and, and I was like, you know, I really feel like I got to do this. I'm going to get nowhere by myself. And what was it like to talk to him in that way? Because that's another level of vulnerability that you had to, because like if we look at, at where you have been on your own journey, it's like this very interesting evolution, not just in a level of personal awareness, but in that willingness to become more and more real and vulnerable with what is true for you. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what that was like to tell your husband, look, dude, I need help with this. And this help might look a little unusual, you know, like, tell me about that. So Colby and I have a communication style that we really enjoy using for difficult conversations. I don't know if you've heard of the Imago dialogue. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So we use that for conflict resolution and when we want to talk about something hard. So I just asked him to imago me and we had, and I just told him, I was like, look, you know, I've been in prayer about this. I've, I've meditated about this. I've, you know, I I wouldn't, and this isn't just a whim thing. Like this was, you know, several weeks in a row of like, just coming back to this, where am I now? And I still felt like I needed to call you. And so I, I shared that with him and he mirrored me and validated and did the whole, you know, we did the whole thing. And, and, and he was like, yeah, well, how much is it? <laughs> <laughs> and 
how much of this help that you need. Right. And I was like, I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, I got to I got to call her and talk to her. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, OK, well, and then he went on your website and he started researching you and he flipped through the book himself and he was like, OK, well, if it's under 10 grand, you can do it. I love I mean, I love that he loves you enough to do the homework. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Yeah. I feel really blessed. Wow. And marriage is something I'm very proud of. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, kudos to you for selecting a wonderful dad for your <laughs> children. You know what I mean? That, that's like some hardcore awareness on your part. But that was interesting. And it was one thing to get his buy-in. But talk about like, what was your buy-in? Because ultimately, you know him. I mean, he was like, you know, ultimately what he was saying was whatever, right? Like at, at some level, whatever. Do what you need to do. Yeah. But was there any convincing in you? Well, listening to other women's stories on your podcast was really helpful. I related to a number of the ladies' stories. And, you know, I was just like, if, if this can happen for them, you know, why can't it happen for us? I mean, I remember you saying something on, like, one of your podcasts was on being, like, regret-proof. It wasn't an interview. It was, like, just, you know, you, like, 15 minutes or something like that. And, and I was like, yeah, like, we got to throw everything at this thing. <laughs> you know, I don't want to come away from this, even if, you know, on the other side of this long-ass rainbow was not a baby. I needed to know that I, I did everything that I could so that I could be at peace with letting it go. And I, like, got that out of the regret-proof talk that you did. and you know, I was, I was in. Wow. So let's talk about this, you know, this journey we started together and this transformation, because I, one of the very, very clear things I remember about you is you were always there. You were always there asking questions, getting your little paw up, like you were in it to win it. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really important thing because there's a reason why you can't just walk into this program. There's a reason why we are very, very selective and why we interview, why you interviewed with me, mm. you know, because what I'm listening for is who's actually committed. Yeah. And you really brought the thunder. So why don't you share like your own personal process? What was that like going through that? And what are some of the changes you saw in you? Because that's what's fascinating. So one thing that that I really enjoy about group coaching as opposed to like one-on-one -on -one, is that I get, I get my inner work done by other people getting their inner work done. And like things that would apply to another woman, like might not be identical for me, but it's close enough where I can adopt it and adapt it and be like, yeah, like, yes, like, yes. Oh my gosh. I've been looking at this all wrong. So there's that. I'm also, with my own version of type A, I'm also, you know, pick me, pick me, you know. And 
and I have a little bit of attention seeking, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but that was, that is delightful for me as a coach because mm. you're super fucking engaged. What did I tell you? I'm like, get what you came for. Yeah, you did every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some of the things you saw shifting in you through that process? Because for me as an observer, it was patently obvious what was happening. So for me, okay, so side by side, the coaching and the, the, the workbook, right, at home. I would say the biggest things are, one, there was one coaching session where I was sharing with you you had asked me something about like, how did my mom make motherhood look? And I was reflecting on that with you. It looked hard. It looked tiring. It looked just so energy sapping, like sacrificial to the point of like losing your, your autonomy. Like she just made it look awful. <laughs> No, thanks, mom. Right. And, and just, you know, the marriage struggles that they had and all this kind of stuff. It just looked like terrible. And then you had set, you like literally were like, well, there's therapy that for that. And there's babysitters for that. And there's this for that. And there's that. Like you came up with like all of these like really fast solutions that like my brain couldn't come up with on its own. And I was like, shit you know like I don't it doesn't have to look this way you know like I can I can do this totally differently so there was that another one was my husband up until the point of the coaching was very much of the belief that it's your body that's not working so you need the help and I'm just going to hang back because my sperm is fine. And what was really precious was we set aside, we made fertility night. Every Wednesday night, we would get together with my notebook of all the things that I had, you know, the questions in, in, the, in the workbook for the week. And, you know, we would talk about it and discuss it. And he would have input and, you know, and, and, and like we got to know each other. And in a way that we hadn't before, and he was participating at a level that he hadn't been, like, he really stepped up, like, really stepped up. And that was really precious. And then, and then what was the other thing that was really profound for me? Like, it just made a huge shift. Oh, the forgiveness letters. Dude. Was your pen and paper smoking? I couldn't even use pen and paper. I had a type bit because I just, none of it. up with the speed. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, um, I did three, the, the, the three forgiveness letters were to my biggest saboteurs, my mom, my dad, and my stepdad. And, and all of the, all of like, okay. So from my mom, I got, Oh, from my stepdad, I got, I'm, I'm incapable. From my dad, I got, I'm not enough. And from my mom, I can't remember what I got from my mom, but I, I, I like, these were the, 
Like if I'm these things, like, of course I can't be a mom, you know? So I, I did, I did the forgiveness letters and I mean, I had to like continually make the font smaller to keep it on the page because I used the other, the other side, right. As, right. as the, uh, the part of the letter where you let it go, you know, and, and what, and what I saw, and here's where the shift really happened. After I tore each one of them a new asshole and got to the, like the actual forgiveness part, I saw how I am not those things that I believe that they were teaching me I was. And that was like miraculous. I wish I had my notebook out in front of me. I would, I would tell them to you, but like, I just saw like, I can be the mom that my child needs me to be, not necessarily the mom that I want to be. Like, I don't, and my dad, I don't even remember all of it, but I just remember being like, like totally set free. And like when the affirmations came and I think it was like the seventh or the eighth week, something like that. And just like debunking these, the, the saboteur messages, I got to rewrite like all of these scripts in my head. And I continued that after the coaching. I just went through, you know, my childhood sex abuser. I went through my eighth grade math teacher. I went through, I mean, I did forgiveness letters. I just kept going with it. You know, that's really incredible, Teresa, because look at who you had to become in order to literally, as you said, flip the script from the stories, the people, the legends we create in our minds about who we are to literally unearth those things flip them over and take control that's no joke and in eight weeks i mean that's crazy yeah yeah mind-blowing that was that was the piece that was the piece between the ears that was the thing that was the last thing that needed to be solved for was that shit you know, and it's incredible. And, and you know, I want to go back to something that you had said earlier, because you were talking about how you do your inner work through watching other people. And I thought that was really interesting because, and, and I think it's important to, to direct our attention to the fact that this isn't just a weird group of women weeping. You were witnessing and, and being part of a group of like-minded women Mm -hmm. were so committed to their dream that they were going to unfuck their story. Totally. And that's I exactly what that. you did. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you get to have your moments, but it's like, okay, well, now what? What are you going to do with that? And, and you actually, because you were willing to do the work and you showed up and you, you played full out, you got to reap the benefit of that. Nice work. Thank you. High five. Yeah. High five, girl. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, I, I love also that because you had to become someone who could see her partner in a different way as well. Because you got out of a place of saying, oh, you know, when the hell is Colby going to step up? You know, like you had to change this. Is, I mean, I love this shit because a lot of people don't believe me right away. I'm like, when you change, your partner will follow. There will be, because you, we as women are the keepers of our relationships, we are the, we lead 
not like we're trying to emasculate our our partner, but talk about that because in order for him to step up in the way that he did, he had to see something in you. So I think what he saw in me was just how seriously I was taking the work. And fertility night was, okay, so Wednesday's laundry day at our house. So so the laundry would be all done by the time it was time for our talk. And I, you know, the bath, I would dump the basket out on the bed and I would fold while he would read and he would go through the questions and, and, and read my answers and we would discuss them. And then light bulbs would go off in his head and he would add to that and he would be, and he would even challenge me on some things like, no, I don't really see it that way. You know, I don't see you doing X, Y, and Z, or I don't, you know, that's not, or this sounds like you're shaming yourself, babe. Like, I think you're using too strong a language here. I think it's more like this, you know, like he like really got in it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. You're going to have to hug him for me. Like, I love hearing, I mean, I hope Teresa that like, this is such an important point for women to hear that when you love yourself enough. And you love your dream enough to do the work. You're you are giving yourself a permission to let your partner see you, and then your partner can be there for you at an even higher level. Mm-hmm. There is this ripple effect. Do you think that's true for you? Oh, absolutely. I remember you saying in in one of the it wasn't like the first or second session. Maybe it was like the third where you did the the babe, I love you, and here's what you need to know about me. I had had a series of those. Actually, it was the very first one. Remember? Because I was like my sex life. (laughs) And we had like when it was my turn for coaching, we talked about that. And you were like, you know, just go up to him and just say, babe, I love you. And here's what you need to know about me. Next time we have sex, I want you to take me. And and do you remember that? (laughs) My ears are hot. (laughs) I know. I mean. But I mean, that we as women have to be willing to have these yeah. conversations because totally. then it's not our partner's fault anymore. Right. You know, how do you set your partner up for success if they don't know what the hell it is that you want? Exactly. Yeah. And so I had a series of those with him. And the more boldly I came to him and the more upright I stood, because when I would do that, I like my posture would change. I wouldn't be slumped over. I wouldn't be, you know, small voice. It would be like, babe, I love you. And here's what you need to know about me. And it just was so empowering. And I think he really found it quite attractive. I bet. (laughs) I bet. He's like, I don't have a shrinking violet here, you know? Well, so talk to us about like now. Okay. So you go through this program and you're starting to see changes in yourself. You're starting to see changes in, you know, your already solid marriage, but you know, we're always evolving. We're always changing. It's not a destination. It's a, it's a journey. It's a process. So talk to us about like what you started to see as far as the conceiving aspect of your journey. What was next for you? So this is where it starts getting really cool because it all started to gel at this at this juncture. So on our last coaching session, excuse me, I had shared with you that I wanted to change doctors, that I, I wasn't crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> I wasn't crazy about my reproductive endocrinologist. I felt like I was a patient that slipped through the cracks. They had changed protocols with new management and it was just a mess. And you, and I was like, how, what do I need to do to find a new doctor? Like, who do I need to be? What questions do I need to ask? And you were like, it needs to be a love match. Okay, good enough. So I started asking friends who had had successful pregnancies with reproductive endocrinologists for recommendations, and two of them recommended the same doctor. So we started there. Well, we liked him enough. I wouldn't call it a love match, but we liked him enough, and we started to move forward. Here's where it gets really crazy. Enter God. Ready? God. God. Here we go. Right after we had determined what the protocol was going to be. So, so let me just back up. We had one embryo left frozen. And so when we went, when we went in to visit with this doctor, you know, we had to get the embryo transferred to the new fertility clinic and all this kind of stuff. And so he came up with this whole protocol that we were getting ready to go. And he got sick with brain cancer and he was on what did they call it? Like indefinite medical leave or something like that. He's fine. You know, they got it. He's fine. He just can't practice medicine anymore. The doctor that we were assigned to, she was the love match. Oh, man. Check this out. She looked at his notes. She looked at the notes from the previous doctor. And she was like, I don't agree with either of these protocols. I don't agree with these treatment plans at all. This is what I think we need to be doing. She came up with something totally out of left field that was that nobody had ever discussed with us before. And she was like, you have an immune issue here. And she's like, that's what I'm concerned about. And that's what we need to solve for. Yeah, I have goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, think about that. Yeah. So the convergence of all of it was... Here I am. I'm in alignment. My husband's in alignment. We're in, you know, now we're coming under, under the reign of higher power here. Now we're like all lined up and ready to go and shit just starts moving. No joke. And so, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners that will, will be familiar with this and as probably you will too. Two months of Lupron suppression prior to frozen embryo transfer. So I did that. I got to experience medically induced menopause. It was not fun, but we did frozen embryo transfer in April and I'm, I'll be 19 weeks on Wednesday. Wow. Gosh. I mean, think about you did this. If my calculations are correct in less than a year, eight months. So eight from years of suffering, six and a half, Six and a half years. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> Six and a half years of suffering, four miscarriages. You get your shit together. You you get a handle on your saboteurs. You flip the script. You take control. You show up differently in your relationship. Your husband gets aligned with you. You trust yourself to take these leaps. The leap to do the work. The leap to show up with your husband, the leap to love yourself enough to say, we need to see a different practitioner. I'm not going to just tolerate what we, I'm not going to settle for what we've had. We bless them for who they've been up to this point, but we're ready for the next. 
Mm-hmm. You hold on while your non-love match physician like goes through brain cancer and your heart is open to the love match and now you're 19 weeks pregnant. Yeah. And there's there's one more all in 8 months. Yes, in 8 months. There's there's one piece that I that I left out with the just prior so after the the doctor had to go out on medical leave and at first we didn't know why. But between him going out on medical leave and us being reassigned, we had a moment where we were like, here we go again. You know, another block, another come on. And so we had this, we had this moment where we were like, should we even be doing this? You know, like, should we, like, should we just stop right here? And so like, like maybe, you know, maybe we're not meant to be parents. Like, not everybody is, and, and that can be okay. And so we sat down and we did a pros and cons list of uh, like pros and cons of using the embryo, pros and cons of stopping right here. And there were, there were pros and cons to each, but what came up was the, there's only three things you can do with an embryo. You can use it, you can donate it, or you can have it destroyed. And I could not consent to destroying it. I had done way too much work on uh, a termination I had had when I was 18 years old. I was not about to consent to that. My husband was like, well, fuck if somebody else is going to have our baby. So the only, the only <laughs> other option is to use it. So we were like, all right, now we're full steam ahead. Then we get reassigned, love match, and here we are. You are living proof of the woman and the women who have said i am going to get pregnant in the next 12 months i'm making the decision that i am in this to win this even if you had the momentary like i mean because we all do right that's a saboteur story oh it's really easy to chicken shit out and say oh well maybe i'm not meant to be a parent you know what the truth to that was right absolutely you weren't fucking around with this idea. Oh, I'm not meant to be a mom. You knew in your soul that you were going to hang out for this kid. Yeah. Yeah. So what's it like to be on the other side? How does it feel? It's a total relief. I have, I kind of really feel like I've shown myself something about myself that I didn't know or believe was really there. The perseverance that my husband and I really really engaged in as a couple, like, I can't tell you how that's so precious to me. Like we were aligned, you know, I know not a lot of couples get there and it's such a blessing to have experienced that. And I just, I just feel so empowered. Like I said, just in places in myself, I didn't think, you know, I could be. And it all started with the yes. Mm -hmm. It all started with a yes to you that you weren't going to settle. Hell yes. That's right. That's a hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you did the, I always like to check that out. I was like, yes or not? Hell yes. Either hell yes or hell no. There's no, nothing in between. Do you like who you've become? I do. Yeah. I have a lot more sass that I was previously aware of. I, I feel a lot more playful. I have a lot more 
confidence in myself, even though I still battle with that, I do. Like, I like I I went from six and a half years ago to here. You know, like, so I I definitely feel more confident that I I love my baby already. I just started feeling kicks last week, which is super precious. And I just I'm gonna be okay. Like I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> like you said, like. If my marriage comes on, on the rocks, we have a therapist for that. If, if you know, if, if we need date night, we get a babysitter. Like, like there's going to be solutions to all the things that I was once really previously terrified of. And we're going to be okay. Well, and that you don't have to have all the answers. That's why you bring people into your world to help you. This idea that you have to do it all yourself is lunacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, from where you stand today, Teresa, like, what would you want women on this journey to know? Like, because you've learned so much. If someone was going to make a massive transformation, you know, like you hit on all the points, right? Like, I mean, you did so much for yourself for your marriage and for your family, for this child that you're having in such a short period of time. I mean, your wisdom is invaluable. What would you want women listening to know? If there's a physical problem, fix it. If there's an emotional problem, fix it. If there's an energetic problem, fix it. If there's an intuitive problem, fix it. If there's a spiritual problem, fix it. Whatever it is that's blocking you, just go get it. You know, like just do what needs to be done to unlock your baby. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Because I remember you had talked about finances once in, in one of the coaching calls, I think. And, and it was like, yeah, like, like this kid's priceless. You know, like I, I, I mean, we're like, and I know there are women who spent a lot more than we did. Uh, we're like 70,000 in the hole. This baby, and we're not even, we're not regretting a single penny today. No, you're standing on 70,000. That 70,000 lifted you up. So I'm going to coach you right now. You're not in the hole, baby girl. You're standing on, on 70,000, right? That 70,000 lifted your ass up. Yeah. And that 70,000 won't mean shit the first second you lay eyes on that baby. Right. You will pay that 10,000 times over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that everything that I did do prior to the coaching really did make a difference. The acupuncture helped to re regulate my cycles and the Chinese herbs and, and the Arvigo took the pain away. And, you, you know, like I, I, I feel like everything that I did really mattered. I just was missing this final piece, you know, and, and, and having done this final piece, like, I feel like here we are. So that's technically your very next cycle after having done this work, having gone through all of the discussions you needed to have with Colby. Here you are. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, it, it was the very next cycle. You got to see a result of all of this, this culmination of work before. Yeah. And, and during and after it's, it's all there. Your very next cycle, you were successful. Mm -hmm. On the last embryo. 
on the left. Talk about like the 11th hour miracle, right? At like 1159, (laughs) you know, the universe comes in. And, you know, that's the last thing that I want to ask you, just because I can feel it in you. Where's your faith today? Having done the work. I remember hearing our pastor say, God is never early. He is never late. He is always on time. And I, I never, I I didn't really get that. Like I didn't really get what that meant until, until this, like, yeah, like right on time, right on time. Because like, I've heard you share about your story. I wasn't ready for this baby a minute before we got pregnant. You know, like I just wasn't ready and I needed, you know, when I, when I look back at, at the journals, cause I've kept a journal, a prayer journal this whole time, but over the last, it's just something I've done the last 10 years. And like my prayers were just so desperate all the time. And then after, like at some point in, in the coaching, you know, with the 10 item gratitude list and, you know, I, I just started shifting how. I was praying and I started thanking God ahead of time for this baby that I had not in my arms yet. And I just was, I just got so much more like, yes, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's just going to happen. It just has to, because there has to be a baby at the end of this rainbow. Because then my story just wouldn't be helpful to anyone. But you're also, I mean, there's a scriptural basis for what you're talking about because you're supposed to believe when you pray. Yeah. Not when you receive. Mm-hmm. When you believe pray. when you pray. With expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you you were able to expect to expect. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible, Teresa. And I think it it it's it's all of these things coming together that are 100% putting you on the path to creating exactly the life that you want. Because now as a mother, mm-hmm. like, just think about what you're going to be able to offer your child. The wisdom, the being able to guide them and not crush them with your expectations and your, you know, you're just so much better equipped today from a place of love, not from a place of criticism. Like, oh, you were a hot mess, Teresa, before. It's not that. Oh no, I was. It's okay. <laughs> but like, like you know, it, it's a becoming. It, it's a becoming, and and you didn't just stop at like self pity. You you were in it to win it. Nicely done, my love. Nicely done. And I, I mean, when you sent me the email, like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a heartbeat. Like, I was just like, ah! <laughs> of course, this was going to happen for her. Of course. Everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I'm like, look, when a woman makes a decision that something's going to happen for her and she does the work, she builds the faith, she's open, the craziest shit can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, Teresa. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This is a story that I just revel in because it's just it just demonstrates what is possible when you go all in because nobody could accuse you of being halfway on anything like you were all in you were just you were holding nothing back 
you overcame the fear. And now I cannot wait to see what you build from here. So thank you so much for sharing your story, my love. Thank you for having me. Loves, wasn't Teresa's story just so incredibly inspiring? This woman, after six and a half years of trying, does this work, uncovers her blocks, heals old wounds, and her very next cycle is pregnant. Everything about her story and her experience is demonstrative of the power of becoming the woman that says hell yes and deepens her faith and keeps going. I hope that you are going to glean from Teresa's story that if this desire is burning in your heart and you know it is for you, you've got to keep going. And if you want to learn what I taught Teresa, my Fearlessly Fertile Method program is for women who intend to get pregnant in the next 12 months and say hell yes to covering their bases, mind and body, just like Teresa did. I work with women who are committed to success, if you can't tell. To apply for your interview for this program, go to my website, www.frommaybetobaby.com and apply for an interview there. My methodology has helped women around the world make their mom dreams come true. Their results, as you heard today, speak for themselves. If you don't have a mindset for success on this journey, baby, you got to gape and hole in your strategy. Let's fix that shit and set you up for success. Till next time, change your mindset change your results. Love this episode of the Fearlessly Fertile podcast? Subscribe now and leave an awesome review. Remember, the desire in your heart to be a mom is there because it was meant for you. When it comes to your dreams, keep saying hell yes.